Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 81st episode, and I'm here for the last Break Bias episode of 2023. This was one of my favorite episodes last year, and it's going to be a great one this year as well. But before we get to the awards and, well, just how wrong I was at the beginning of the season with all my predictions as well, first, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, like my YouTube channel, Breakbys Twitter, and TikTok. It has my email address if you'd like to contact me, as well as my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Now let's bring on old friend of the pod, Andrew Shackleton, and of course, co-host of the Breakies. So let's hand out these awards. All right, welcome back to the Breakies, the annual episode where awards are given out for different drivers, teams, or moments of the 2023 F1 season. First, I'll list the nominations as usual, Shaq, and then uh, I'll discuss who or what breakies should be awarded to with you. You can come up with your own ideas, but I guess first of all, before we get going, how have you been? Sounds good. Yeah, man, I've been really good. Uh, what a season. What a season for you, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty predictable, but no, it was, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. No, it was, it was good. How about you? Yeah. It, it was a painful season for a Mercedes fan again, for sure, especially how uh, how it ended. Even though we ended up getting P2 in the constructors, it still was just like a very uh, uh, gutting end of the season, especially with that Brazil performance and and just how Lewis ended the season was pretty bad as well. But here we are. We're hoping uh, 2024 is turning over a new leaf. I don't have any faith, but we can just hope, right? Um, before, before we get started, um, I was going to say like this coming up with the nominations for this year was way harder. I don't know about you, but, uh, I, I struggled to come up with some for these categories because 2023 was a tough season to come up with, uh, exciting moments and whatnot. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Some of the categories are like best race or best Sunday performance. It's pretty easy just to give that to Max Verstappen every single time. <laughs> so like to try and dive in and try and really find like, okay, who else really stood out a weekend or what was the funniest moment or drama or anything like that? Yeah, it was tough. We had to dig a little deeper this year, but I think we have some good nominations coming up. For sure. Well, you named the first breaky that we're we're gonna move on to, and that is race of the season. So that's not a driver performance. That is just as a fan, which race did you enjoy watching the most? Um, I wouldn't say there was any real bangers this year. Like last year, when you think of uh, uh, Silverstone or uh, the race in Brazil, that George Russell won, like those two races were phenomenal last season. This year, I have a ton of nominations. I think these were all good races. None of them were great. I got Las Vegas. I think that was obviously a great race. Uh, Britain with, you know, the McLarens kind of taking the lead at the start and, and challenging Max. It kind of died off in the end, but then we got the late safety car and Lewis and Lando had a great battle at the end of the race there. Um, the Dutch Grand Prix, I think that had the most overtakes of any race of all time. Just chaotic weather. Singapore, of course, we finally got a win outside of Red Bull. Maybe you don't like Singapore as much as some other people, but <laughs> it was a pretty good race. Um Australia, just to feel like chaos, the red flag at the end and all the crashes. Uh, and then just I added uh, Italy with the Ferrari battle with uh, like signs just defending for his life against Verstappen. 
Uh, and then Austin, I think, was a good race where it did seem like Lewis Orlando did have a chance against Max right up until the end. Um, so, yeah, I know that was a lot of nominations and probably stole a little bit of your thunder, but I just felt like n- no race really stood out this year. <laughs> you say no race stood out, then you just named the entire calendar. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. Exactly. So they're all in contention. Um did any other race stand out or is there one of the the list that I just gave you that yeah. you really enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, the ones you listed were great. Uh, obviously, Singapore was unreal with Science, Lando, George and Lewis just battling out at the end. That was unreal. That was you got to love that as a as a racing fan. Uh, like you said, the Dutch Grand Prix, that was a great one. Um, one I think that you didn't mention that I personally enjoyed is the Canadian Grand Prix. Obviously, I'm biased as we're Canadian, but uh, I thought that was an unreal podium with Lewis, Alonso, and Mac. Yeah, and Adrian Newey. And a stellar drive by Albon. Yeah, and Adrian Newey. Yeah, that was a sweet podium. Um, (laughs) So that was was up there for me. Um, And I'd have to go with Monaco just as a weekend of all with the qualifying. You know what? I was going to put Monaco in there and then I'm like, I feel like anyone listening to this, there would be an outrage if we chose Monaco best race of the season. It's not best weekend. If we choose Monaco as the best race of the season, I mean, I guess that sums up 2023 pretty well, but um, I I just couldn't bring myself to to put Monaco in as a best Sunday of the season. Um, But I do hear you. It actually was it was pretty decent with the with the changing weather and whatnot. Um, Well, how, how about we just narrow it down here i mean i think i would have to choose probably singapore or vegas i agree yeah both unreal races vegas kind of smashed my expectations of what it was going to be um and yeah singapore obviously the non red bull plus a four-way battle i think you'd have to give it to singapore in my opinion just just can, there was no I other race of the season that you're actually like kind of a nail biter at the end well, and I even remember, like, with the Singapore Grand Prix, like, I, I watched it, uh, or maybe I even watched it in the morning. I don't remember if I watched it live or not, actually. But I remember getting to the end of the race and then being like, all right, guys, like, you know, like, Bailey, who doesn't watch, like, Formula One as much anymore. Because yeah. it's, it's been a tough year for casual fans. I was like, okay, hey, guys, if you're going to watch any race, like, you, you got to watch this one. And he was yeah. even like, hey, yeah, like, I'm, I'm turning it on right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm down to give it to Singapore. Yeah, agreed. All right, there we go. First breaky of 2023 handed out to the Singapore Grand Prix. Best race. Congratulations to Carlos Sainz, I guess, as well, because that was a sick performance. I, I honestly think the Ferrari drivers put together some like incredible performances. Like obviously <laughs> what Max did um was was pretty much amazing every single Sunday of, of the of the calendar. But I think the Ferrari drivers also stood out here. And uh, I think that's a perfect segue into the next award, which is best Sunday performance of the season. So this one is a driver performance. Um, I'm going to start off with the nomination that I think might be the best objectively, and that is Max's win in Miami. Um, Mm -hmm. That was that was pretty incredible. But of course, Sainz's win in Singapore has to be mentioned. Uh, I think Leclerc drove a brilliant race in Vegas. I think that P2 was pretty incredible. And then I also added in uh, Ricardo P7 in Mexico. Uh, I think that was a pretty sick drive. Especially, I think maybe the qualifying stood out a little bit more, like him in P4 than the actual race, but pretty good. And then I also had uh, Alonso P2 and Zandvoort. 
Yeah, those are all really good ones. Um, again, that that's a really hard one to not go like pick Max for, just because you dominated so many different Sundays. Um, but other than the podium, I know I mentioned it just briefly before, but dude, Albon in Canada blew me away, and I am just on the Albon hype train right now. I was just listening to the High Performance podcast where he went on. Oh yeah, yep. Out. dude. This guy is in a different level right now mentally. And I think he's so ready to go to a top team. And I'm a huge Albon fan. And I would love to see him go to Red Bull or any top team, really, because I think he's ready to, like, he's right there with George and Lando, I think, and his prime. And I don't know. And that race in Canada, I just think that was a, that was a stellar performance. The qualifying and then to defend all the way at the end there on the hards, that was, that was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I did. I, I kind of do uh, wish I added one Albon performance because I feel like there were just a few Sundays this year and I guess qualifying performances as well that just like completely stood out like he was phenomenal um, and Canada certainly was one of them. So I'm I'm down to put it in the mix, but like and I just think uh, Max's Williams, Miami race was so yeah. good, man. It was so good. Like, I, I feel like. A Williams and P7 on a Sunday just shouldn't go together. And Albon somehow made that happen. Multiple times. I think he had two yeah. P7s throughout the year. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. I think maybe Monza. Maybe that was a P8. I don't know. But it is kind of funny. Like If you look at his uh, entire season, I don't think he ever finished P9 or P10. Whenever he finished in the points, he was like up there. Yeah. P7 or yeah. P8. Um, yeah. So, okay. So what what's in contention here? Because I mean, I think my vote's got to be for Max in Miami. But like, are you pushing for Albon in Canada best Sunday performance of the season? Dude, it was just electric for me. I, I mean, <laughs> I think Verstappen's gonna get enough uh, enough awards tonight. So personally, I, I don't know. I would have wow. To Albon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you mentioned Albon's ready to go to a top team. Where what does that look like for you? Because I mean, twenty twenty five silly season is primed to look pretty pretty crazy man red bull is like we talked about this on the last podcast together when the whole fiasco with ricardo and DeVries and um was going on but like i don't know it is just such a massive question mark and asterisk beside red bull on what happens with that second driver's seat because teams are coming next year mclaren's going to be there mercedes has a completely different concept who knows how competitive it's going to be right away uh, since it is going to be a new car but like Sergio cannot do what he is doing right now if other teams are in the mix and they're going to have to make a decision whether that is Ricardo I honestly don't think I saw enough from Ricardo this year to like be like oh yeah he's ready he's he's better than it's Sergio. all about next year though it for Ricardo it's all about this this yeah, coming year he didn't get a he didn't get a full year yeah 100 percent. but again if he doesn't show that next year like Red Bull's got a lot of questions, and I think Albon's just a guy I think you can trust, and he's proven what he can do in the worst. That'd be one crazy. Of the It'd be nuts. It'd be sick, though. <laughs> okay, well, we ought to pick one here. I, I'm, I'm saying it. I think it's got to be Max, man. From okay. P9 I mean, to I'm do not, that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with Max. <laughs> I mean, because Checo on yeah. pole in that race, it was a tight championship fight at this point. That was the whole turning point for the season, in my opinion. When Max pulled that off from P9, just inching closer on older tires to Checo, like it was 
incredible what he did. And I think it just completely ruined Checo mentally that race. And I think yeah. that's when we start to saw, we start to see Checo's performance completely tail off. And this question about Albon is created because of that race in Miami from from Max. So I, I, I'm standing by it. I think it was sensational and and probably easily the race performance of the season. So let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Max is winning Miami Sunday performance of the season. Now we've mentioned a few of these already. Because now we're going into the qualifying performance of the season. This is the only new award that I've added. I think last season I, I had it just performance of the season. So I wanted to split up race and qualifying because I find it hard to to pick a qualifying performance over anything that someone does in a race. So I want to shout out some good quality performances here. Again, this might be the runaway favorite, but Max's pole lap in Monaco. That sector three was magical, of course. Um, but some other shout outs, Lewis on pole in Hungary, his teammate was P18 in that race. Uh, Leclerc pole in Baku was the first kind of, I think, crack in Red Bull's armor the entire season. So that was pretty special. And he's always special in Baku. Albon P4 at Zandvoort, P4 in Williams in qualifying, pretty sensational. Hulkenberg P2 in Canada. Of course, he was relegated, but that was only because he was blocked a driver. Like, he still did put it second fastest. And then Ricardo, P4 in Mexico. Yeah, great mentions there. Um, I think, like, those are all amazing qualifiers from those drivers. But, like, in terms of pure, just on the edge of your seat. <laughs> I knew uh, you are going with this. <laughs> looking at that, bro, like... <laughs> Dude, Verstappen in Monaco was unbelievable. He was so far out of that in sector two. He was like like two tenths off or something like that, or maybe even three tenths. It was something crazy. And that final sector was just insane to take it from Alonso. Um, like if you're talking about the best quality and the best quality city or track, it's got to be Verstappen in Monaco. No questions. Okay, well, that's that's confident. So I will say this. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a qualifying lap or at least a sector where like you could just visibly see the car was getting pushed to the limit and it was on rails. Like it was sensational to watch. However, I find it to be actually a little bit overrated considering he is in the fastest car and he was down on Alonso for the first two sectors of the lap. And Esteban Ocon also pretty much matched him in sector three. Like I think he was a few hundredths off and he was in an Alpine. So to me, the whole lap, it, it was the situation that made it so incredible. The whole lap as a whole is actually a little bit overrated. With that being said, it is qualifying in Monaco. It's the most important one of the year. At that point, he was keeping Red Bull's, you know, uh, streak alive. So in a sense, it was still completely magical, although the lap was a little bit overrated. Did I change your mind at all? You didn't, but I see your point. And the <laughs> okay. only time, the only other qualifying that I've seen that was like, I was literally had the same feeling inside when watching it was Jetta. Was Jetta and Verstappen. Yeah. Like that was fucking insane. Yeah. And his first sector like, was also magical and, and Jetta was yeah. insane. And, yeah. and I agree with you. Like, yeah, he's in the best car, but like the Red Bull was not a qualifying car at all. Yep. So uh, I don't know if that points really. Anyways. I'm. I still. I still stick with it for stopping Monaco. Okay. Well, if you're that confident about it, I'm. I'm not really confident about any other one. So I'll give it to Max. Um. But if I had to choose a second, I think 
I think Hulkenberg. Well, yeah, even yeah. that one's a, that one's tough because he finished. Change I think it was like. Difference. Well, I know, but I think he was a one second or one one point two seconds off of Max, and he still finished second. Like I think it was actually like a ridiculous gap, so it's a little bit chintzy too, I guess. But okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Max pole position in Monaco, two straight for him. Um, so let's move on now to the funniest moment. You said you struggled to come up with these. I did a little bit as well, but I, I got a few here. None of them again really stand out. But anyway, this is what I got. So I got a couple of Martin Brundle interviews. Uh, the okay. one with MGK is obviously yeah. the most recent one that was just ridiculousness. But there was one early on in the year, too, with Cara Delevingne. Do you remember this one? I have not seen that one, no. Okay, well, if you haven't seen it, then it's going to be hard for it to win. But I'll so, tell you what it is because it was hilarious. Brundle was trying to talk to her, and she was like, and and like people like in her little entourage were saying, Oh, you know what? Uh, yes. Like, no, yes, like... Yeah, and he was like, I'm sure it would have been extremely interesting. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I, I wrote good. I just wrote down Brundle dunks on Cara Delavine. I thought yes. that was was awesome. Um so though that, that was just the interview ones. I also just wrote down the entire Netflix Cup. I don't know if you watched it, but it was just a total shit show. Um yeah. so not really for that Formula One related, but still hilarious. Um then I got a couple Russell moments where uh he thinks it's raining but he's just sweating. It was pretty yeah. good. And then also he went for the wrong gap in Singapore. You saw yeah. that? We're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went into the barrier that said Singapore, but it said gap. Um, and then I think this might be my favorite. The jetpack guy falling in Austria. Oh, that was crazy. Wiping out. And then Oscar Piastri's yeah. reaction to it. I think that might be my pick. And then I also wrote this one down because it, it did make me laugh was, uh, Perez saying that it was nice to see three Red Bulls on the podium at the first race with Alonso's <laughs> yeah. Red Bull. I, I did yeah. think that was hilarious. But anything else? Uh, I have two that you didn't mention. Uh, one of them was a bit of a saga, and that was just Max and GP together and some of the radio messages. Good show. Good show. Some of those, some of those were freaking hilarious, and they're just like an old married couple basically talking I think, to each other. I think wasn't it Belgium? Wasn't it Belgium where it was like it was really bad where Max yeah. is like, I'm trying to push to like get fastest lap and, and GP was like, use your head. Yeah, he's like, we're not worried about the fastest lap. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, That's kind of where it started. Um but yeah from there on out like Max and GP there's some really great moments. And the other one that I had was um Oh, the Vegas Grand Prix with uh, Bruce making the announcements and he gives out Sergio Perez and Sergio comes out and he just looks Good stupid call. standing there and has good no call. idea where to go or what to do. <laughs> that was a good call. <laughs> I, I did forget about that. So those are honestly, honestly, I would put that that Cheka one up against the the jetpack guy. I think that might that might be the top two. Yeah, no, I agree. Like that was just the Paris that that one was a great call. That was hilarious. What what Checo did? Um, what which one was funnier for you, Checo? I don't know. Yeah, it was just like it was so cringy and so awkward watching it, but just hilarious. I I would uh, give it to that. I that was hilarious. Okay. All right, there we go. Checo awkwardly reacting to his it was introduction. I don't know what what do you want to call it, uh, from Bruce Buffer. Um, I think 
picking something in Vegas is appropriate for funniest moment, right? So, um, (laughs) uh, worst team weekend of the season. So this was just a team that was a total shambles for the entire weekend. Um, I got a few here. McLaren and Bahrain, the honorable mention every single season from here on out, is uh, always going to be a disaster for that team, apparently. Um, Mercedes and Brazil, that was quite a shocker. Even though they were still like a midfield team, I guess, it was just like the expectations. They were going in saying that they could win, and then just how gutted they were after two. Like Toto looked like he wanted to crawl into a hole and die after the race. Um and then I also put Alpine in Austria, uh, sorry, Australia, actually having yeah. a great race and then <laughs> crashing into each other on the red flag. Terrible. Um, and then also Baku. Um, you might not remember this one as, as well as I do, but Otmar, obviously not their team principal anymore, was going into that weekend saying that we have a new upgrade and we're going to challenge Mercedes. They were confident that they had found like two tens and they were going to challenge Mercedes. And then they blew up in two straight sessions complete reliability problems and then they were like the slowest car in the entire field after bringing this so-called great upgrade so a horrendous weekend for them and then of course red bull in singapore i don't really know if it was really that bad but uh mm. yeah that, that's all i got yeah my my number one was mclaren and bahrain coming into the season like that was disastrous uh it wasn't only that but it was the next like three or four grand prix that just weren't really going for them until they got their upgrade and what, like, what was it? Italy, I think was their first package. Or Austria, like that. I think. Austria. Okay. But yeah, definitely McLaren and Bahrain is up there for me. I completely forgot about Alpine and Australia. That was a disaster too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, after you said that, I was like, okay, that might take the cake over McLaren and Bahrain. Um, because that's like, that's the drivers going into each other versus just the team and the car not being there. Um, yeah, well, and also, like, they double DNF'd in Hungary as well, but that was, like, more of a fluky scenario yeah, yeah. where, like, that was, like, them, their drivers literally just miscommunicating and then costing their team so much point, so many points. Yeah, and I want to say, like, the Alpines were in decent positions at that time in Melbourne. Like, yeah. That's yeah, it looked be- like, yeah, okay. Are, are you definitely feeling that? Because I think Mercedes in Brazil also deserves a pretty good shout there. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, I know what you mean with, like, Toto. Like, the morale of the team was at probably the lowest of lows that weekend. Like, some of the quotes Toto was coming out with that weekend were just so depressing. Yeah. And, well, yeah, I was no, depressed that's... watching the race because I <laughs> Brazil's my – Interlagos is my favorite track. It is, mm-hmm. it is my favorite track, and Mercedes always does well there. I was predicting a pretty good result, um, and I just – I expected it to be a great race, and just watching – my drivers who pretty much always qualified poorly this year and then made up ground in the race. So like there was always something to watch on Sunday for a Mercedes fan because they were Mm -hmm. always moving forward at least. Sure. They were never competing at the front, but always moving forward. That race was just, Oh my God. Like their tire life was horrendous. It, it, it it was, yeah, it was so bad. Um, but it wasn't a double DNF. No, they (laughs) still scored they still got double points, didn't they? No, no, no. Russell retired. Oh, Russell retired. True. Sorry, but Russell Hamilton retired. still finished. Uh, P nine. Uh, okay. P eight or P nine. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I would I would give McLaren a pass because they actually knew going in to the season that they were going to be slow. It wasn't a shocker. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you want to give that to Mercedes, okay, let's do it. I'm I'm indifferent about Alpine or or Mercedes. So, all right, so Mercedes in Brazil, worst team weekend of the season. And honestly, if you asked them, they would probably agree. So, I think we chose the right one there. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, most fun result to watch. I got well. This I want to say last year, this one was filled with way more fun stuff. Like we gave this one to Kevin Magnuson pole. Like Kevin Magnuson on pole is sick. This year we have like we have nothing. Um, So of course it's the Signs win just because another team won, even though Mm -hmm. it wasn't like Signs' first win or anything. Um, I think Alonso P three in Bahrain, just Aston Martin being up there was was sick at the beginning of the season he was so pumped that like he got out of that alpine nightmare and was on the podium in his first race um i got the piastri sprint win in qatar uh and then lewis pole in hungary signs pole at monza just because it was a ferrari on pole in monza Mm -hmm. uh i would probably have to go with alonso just at the start of the season in general um what was that three or four back like uh, consecutive podiums for the guy like no one would have thought that he was going to be on the podium well maybe maybe in the season but like him and Aston Martin to be that dominant at the start of the year versus everyone else in the against the grid other than Red Bull and then just like vintage for uh, Fernando back was just unbelievable the other thing I could say about Fernando was his uh, Brazil moment against Perez that was pretty pretty special and pretty crazy ending as well that I'd have to nominate as well. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I didn't put race, like it's a specific race, right? Like a specific moment. It's just most fun results, but I want it to be a result, not just like a, like a fun moment. Hmm. To me, the result meant more in Bahrain. For sure. Yeah. No, if you're going to give it to Fernando, yeah, I would agree. If it's going to Fernando, then the start of the season in Bahrain. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I knew the Lewis pole wasn't going to mean a lot to other people. You know, it's his 104th or whatever. Uh, yeah. For me to see him back on pole was awesome. Um, but I figured that might not be as popular with you. I'm okay with giving this to Alonso because I think everyone just seeing Aston Martin up there and like saying it was an Alonso masterclass to leave Alpine and go to go to Aston Martin. Like that was that was sweet. So I, I'm I like that one. Yeah, no, I agree. I like that as well. Okay, we're going to move on from that one. Alonso, most fun result to watch. Now, the meme of the season. Uh, there's a few here. So, Fernando dating Taylor Swift. I don't, It's. I think that was definitely pretty good. Uh, the George Russell intro pose, I think, was overdone quite a bit throughout the season. Uh, just sticking his yeah. pose as, as many places as you possibly could. Um, this one was a great one. I don't know if you... I'm sh- I'm sure you had to see this, but like the Logan Sargent, what the fuck is a kilometer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's great. Um, five second penalty for Ocon, and then mm-hmm. uh, the Max Verstappen podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like the uh, little bit overrun, like the George Russell <laughs> intro kind of thing. It was yeah. good, but dude, George had so many good ones. Like one of honestly one of my favorite ones, and every time I see it, it just makes me fucking laugh. Is when he's in the the parade, the drive parade, and he's like in this like stance and then turns back. Yeah. Have you seen Colin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
dude like oh my god russell just... was a walking meme this year yep yeah he was just looking really spicy in that moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you hear he actually explained what he was doing like uh mercedes did like a little youtube video with him at the end of the year like going through some of his funniest moments and oh, he yeah. explained like why he so aggressively looked behind Apparently, it was because in the driver's parade, he was waiting to get to this part on the track to, like, look at a bump or something. And he was waving at fans. And then he realized that he missed his chance to, like, look at the part of the track that he wanted to. So then he aggressively, like, looked behind him to try to see the bump. Um, But I guess he missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Like, the memes were pretty hurting this year. Um, yeah, the, the Taylor Swift one was honestly more annoying, but I had to throw it in there. Yeah, no, it, sure. it got stale really quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I think the funniest one might be Logan Sargent, but if you feel like Russell was the walking meme this year, and it has to be something for him, I'm also on board with that. Yeah, I mean, just pretty much everything George does is almost just funny to me. Um, <laughs> the way he talks, the way he walks. Yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> Uh, if I had to give to someone, I'd give it to George personally. Okay, so just George Russell was the meme of the season. Uh, right. I'm on board with that. Okay, so <laughs> congratulations, George, uh, for having a <laughs> bad season on the track, but being hilarious for us. Um, all right, just a couple more. The drama of the season now, last year compared to this year, is a joke. Like, we had the cost cap, we had the Alpine Piastri blunder, we had uh, Checo and Max at Brazil. Those are the only three I wrote down for last year, and I think they would all beat the ones that we got this year. Um, I got Thursday night in Vegas, that was uh, very dramatic, of course. Uh, Pierre Gasly just throwing a complete fit in Japan. Um, the Qatar Grand Prix, the driver conditions, and the tires, like the maximum stint and kind of just that whole craziness that created there. I mean, also anytime track limits could always be thrown in as a drama of the season that like Austria was ridiculous, like 1500 laps had to be reviewed after the race. Um, but my pick would be DeVries getting dropped and Ricardo getting put into the seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those are some pretty good in-season uh, drama bits. Um, I do agree with the whole Ricardo DeVries situation. Another thing that happened off the track that I thought would be interesting to mention is the Andretti bid to Formula One. Um, again, <laughs> we're looking for things to, to bring up, but that is a pretty big topic. And I know a lot of teams are either for or against it, more against, and from it looking like or it's looking like now that they are going to get a bid to enter formula one um obviously it's not official that they will is that correct or are they it's just approved by the fia and yeah, formula one still has to exactly has to approve it as well okay. um but like with cadillac coming in as or sorry gm coming in as an engine manufacturer like i know you listen to the race quite a bit like they've pretty much outlined it perfectly as well and i've said it on this podcast too like what bid is ever going to make it into formula one if this bid doesn't it, it's literally the perfect bid um yeah. so no i think that's definitely worthy of a shout too um so yeah which w- which one would you pick though um i mean that's kind of like off off track drama if you're going for like on track then yeah the whole debris situation ricardo we literally had a podcast on it mid-season about it that was a pretty big moment um i would have to give it to that okay 
yeah, I think Thursday night in Vegas would be the only one that I would maybe challenge right. it with just because that uh, uh, how much hype was going into that uh, Vegas Grand Prix, how many people were watching, how many people got screwed over by that shenanigans. Um, so that's really the only one that I would say is, is also worth it. So if you still sticking by the Red Bull driver scenario. Yeah, and like if you weren't really paying attention that weekend, like I feel like F1's kind of really swept that whole situation under the rug and <laughs> has not been brought. I haven't, up. You, I haven't heard an update on whether yeah, fans. If, are, if you they were just got their on social media that week, you would have no idea. Fair enough. But so I, yeah, it's pretty sketchy. Um, I don't know. In terms of like a big media thing and the drama, it's got at first it's got to be Ricardo and. Uh, okay well I, I i kind of agree so the drama of the season is DeVries getting dropped after it was like eight races they give him mm-hmm. like no time and then ricardo was put in now the surprise of the season i think also ricardo returning could be the nomination for that but since we picked that for drama of the season let's just let's just leave that one to the side it would be lame to pick it so i got aston martin starts with a bang aston martin goes completely backwards <laughs> Uh, and then the McLaren Austria upgrade their resurgence and then just Red Bull opening the season with 14 wins in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so out of those three, I, I literally had those three written down Red Bull's dominance, Aston Martin, McLaren's resurgence. But, um, I think as like surprise, I think people had a pretty good idea that Red Bull was going to have a good season and still like, there was not really a doubt that Max was going to be world champion and Red Bull was still going to win. Like, so I want to say surprise. Yeah, they expedi- like um, passed their expectations of what the season was going to be, of course. Um, McLaren, yeah, that was that was unbelievable. Their resurgence back into, what was it, P- P4 they finished. Um, yeah, it's insane. But I think you still, I personally, I think you have to give it to Aston Martin. From P7 to P5, I mean, when you put it at that, compared to like what they did at the start of the year it doesn't sound as good um but they were second place for the longest time and that was just a major surprise to see where they've come from to see fernando alonso back and honestly if lance stroll could just learn how to drive um or if they could get some competent second driver like aston martin could have done so much better and if not finished in p2 or p3 if they just had a second driver um so personally, I'd have to go with Aston Martin just because it really came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I think Aston was probably the most surprising thing too. Because I mean, like I was hyping them up in the off season, like they were like my team. I, I don't, I think I remember doing like a predictions episode with you or something, and really talking up Aston Martin. But then I was still too cowardly to put them ahead of McLaren or or ahead of Alpine. Um, and I wish I did at least Alpine. I mean, come on. I don't know why I was so high on Alpine. I think I still have them P4, um, which is just terrible in hindsight. But no, like everyone thought Fernando going to to Aston in the offseason was like a terrible decision. Like, why would you leave a manufacturer to go to Aston Martin like this perennially underfunded team, even though it's it's not really now? But um, yeah, I think right off the bat, like when people were hyping them up and testing too, everyone was still like, no way like this this can't be like it can't be that good um and then alonso's on the podium in the first race and everyone was like how is this a thing are we actually going to get 
an Aston Martin title fight. Um, of course, that didn't happen, but still, that big of a of a you know performance gain over the winter was still incredibly surprising. Um, I think the McLaren one, like to gain that much speed, like I didn't think anyone was going to be that fast. But this big upgrade that they're bringing, like they were hyping it up, like the team was right from Bahrain saying like, we're, we're going to have our car in Austria or whatever it was. And everyone was like, okay, like at least then they'll be on terms with, with Alpine probably, or maybe a little bit better. And then to like be challenging for race wins was also a big surprise, but McLaren people have higher expectations for, I think Aston Martin has never been that team. So I'm with you. Um, Although I did predict Mercedes was going to be the constructors champion. So uh, for Red Bull to open the season with 14 in a row is also a bit of a shock to my system. But I agree with you. I would also go with Aston Martin. Cool. Yeah. And I think with our predictions at the start of the year, I I had McLaren as P8, I believe. <laughs> yeah, Something you did. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was looking pretty good for the first five, six races. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, obviously they shattered that, but. Well, yeah, well, you were chirping me for, yeah, you were chirping me for Mercedes and I was chirping you for McLaren. And I guess we were both right. But then again, we were both incredibly wrong. So, um, yeah. Okay. So Aston Martin is the surprise of the season. Their great start, not their terrible midseason, because I also think that was quite surprising how hard they fell off. Um, okay. So the final breaky, there should be no discussion. It's driver of the season. Mm, let me think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, man. Like, uh, that was an unbelievable season by Max Verstappen, literally for the history books. Um, the amount of records that guy smashed this year is insane. And some of them I don't know if they'll ever be broken again. Um, he's not only breaking other people's records, but he's starting to break his own records that he already holds. And it's honestly just crazy to see. And I mean, he is his own person and he's talked about retiring early and wanting to do something else. But as long as he's winning, I can't see him leaving Formula One. And I don't see Red Bull or him losing until the new regulations in 26. I just I can't see another competitor getting to Red Bull's level because they're just they've gotten such a massive advantage and gap that they've made um they started developing next year's car before anybody else and wind tunnel time did nothing to them and yeah no just everything with red bull the mechanics the strategy the driver the car everything is honestly blending uh perfectly and it's it's again it's not just the car either like you saw what perez did in the same car um yes the car is a big factor but Max Verstappen is, uh, he's a different beast. Well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast because I've said plenty already this season about Max and I'm uh, quite frankly tired of it. And I have ran out of words to, uh, to, to compliment the man with, because I, I, I agree with everything you say. I mean, like he's clearly the, the best in formula one right now. I think uh, no one wants to have the conversation yet, but I think you could already argue he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, just, I, what do you think was the most, I mean, this is a hard maybe question to answer on the spot, but like, what do you think was the most impressive record that he broke this season? 
it's got to be the consecutive wins for me. Like to have that concentration and that focus week in week out, like again, it, it, your mechanics and your strategy and everything could go perfect, but like for the driver to then complete the rest of it, or if one of those three pieces is missing, it can completely mess you up. Like if, even if your car malfunctions, like that happens all the time. Um, but for everything to just be running on all cylinders, it, it was perfection. And that was like by far the most important. impressive thing for me personally I mean, the one that I'm picking is very similar to the 10 wins in a row. For me, it's the winning percentage. And the only reason that I am choosing the winning percentage over the streak is because the winning percentage record was set in like 1952. That was a season with 13 races or whatever it was. And this is a season with 23. And he won 85% of them, I think. Maybe it was even higher. I honestly forget, but just the fact that that amount, like we all thought that Ascari's record would never be broken just because of the length of the season. And Max Verstappen goes out and does this. I mean, yeah, I I've said enough and I have already broken down this record on my podcast as well. But that to me is the most impressive record that he that he uh, broke this season. I also think a thousand laps led is also just ridiculous. Like I joked again on a prior episode, like when I told uh, Amber, I mean, you know, my girlfriend. So I told Amber um, that, you know, I spent this entire year watching Max Verstappen lead Formula One laps a thousand times. How, how does that make you feel? And she was like. why did you like that sounds like such a waste of time um and i'm like yeah it probably was but um yeah that's just so absurd uh so of course max is the driver of the season but we gotta we gotta pick a, a second best then right to at least have some sort of debate um i think it's got to be between fernando probably lando lewis or alex probably mm -hmm. yeah or, or charles or charles Yeah, number two would actually be like really difficult because all those drivers you just mentioned did have like different um, splashes throughout the season of where they really stood out. Um, I mean, <laughs> Albin's just crazy. Like <laughs> to go back to Albin, like for him to do that in a Williams, like that was just that was an amazing year for him. Um, Charles, honestly, like I think he had a pretty disappointing season. Uh, he had little bits, but like, and he was like, so he good at good... the end. At the end, he was good, but like overall, I just I, I couldn't put him as a second. Like he was the second best driver. But like, also season. he's he still got like five pole positions this year. Like in qualifying, the man is yeah. so good. No, he's still like one of the, yeah, he's like one of the fastest drivers on the grid for sure. Um, and I don't know, like the Fernando and Lando thing. is tough too because they both had like fernando was so good at the start and then dropped but then lando came in and was so good um i don't know if number two is really hard I, I personally i'd have to go with uh fernando i to think i would lean i think i would lean fernando too but I'll, i'll just put this out there um i think charles and lewis were the only two uh, in this conversation that actually had a teammate that was like a fair benchmark for them Fernando going against Lance Stroll is was always going to be a joke. Uh, Albon going against Logan Sargent, like I could never put Albon number two just because that's who his teammate was. And like we all know, your teammate is really the only thing that we can compare drivers to. And then Piastri, although he was a great rookie and showed good pace in qualifying sometimes, 
he's also a rookie and and we all expected Lando to smash him and and he did on on Sundays this year. So I think that's the only thing that I think we have to keep in mind when grading Charles and grading Lewis is just who they're up who they're up against inside their own teams. But with that being said, I still think the moments that Fernando had this season were his peaks were so high. And that's yeah. that's why I would pick him as well. So I agree with you. So Max and Fernando is our top two. And then, yeah, that's all the awards. The same as last year, though. I ended off with just getting you to rate the season out of 10. I think last year you said a 7, maybe a 6.5. I think you said 6.5 or 7. So what do you got for this season? 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Objectively. Objectively. Not as a Red Bull fan. Uh, Yeah, I mean, as if I if I was a casual watcher and wasn't a fan of Max Verstappen or Red Bull, this would probably be like a four or five or a five. Some great That's moments, still... some good moments, but uh, overall, just like I don't know how many times, like either Maya or my parents or like other people had asked me, being like, "Why are you like staying up or why are you waking up early to watch the race? Like, don't you know the result?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but I've never really had a but." Like, <laughs> yeah, but like always... Formula One. <laughs> yeah, like there wasn't there wasn't much else to like for me to be like talk about or I don't, I don't know. Of course, there's other storylines, but you you knew what you were getting week in and week out. Where last year was a little bit different with uh, Charles in the mix. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty. Cool. Last year just seemed to throw up more curveballs and stuff too. Yeah, where it didn't feel like it was. Even though when Ma- like Max was dominating at the end of the season, it didn't feel like such a foregone conclusion. We're like really early on in the season. It was it was like okay, so Max, how many how many seconds is Max going to win by this mm. Sunday? Um, so yeah, uh, I think four to five is still higher than a lot of people would give this season. Um, I think personally, I would give it like a three. Like it's, and you know, I love Formula One, and I, I'm just if a season's got to be like a three or a lower, it's got to be a season like this because. We didn't even have a silly season either, man. Like all the drivers are returning to the exact same teams next year. Uh, we got just nothing for Formula One fans this year, and it's a shame. Um, well, of course, we always get something, but you know what I mean. Like it just it didn't really throw up anything besides a win for signs and Daniel Ricardo returning to the paddock and stuff like that. Like that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I think I'd give it like a three, to be honest. Yeah, some pretty weak storylines as a Max fan. Or honestly, like as a Formula One fan, you still have to appreciate and respect the dominance of Max. Like that was unbelievable. And we might not see something like that ever again. So that aspect was I loved. Um even if Lewis was doing that or Leclerc was doing that or whoever, like you just have to sit back and respect what they're doing because that is so hard to achieve. So in that respect, yeah, the season was good. But as a casual fan looking at everything, yeah, it's definitely lower. And Drafter Survive is going to have a really tough time producing their show next year. That's that's a good point. Um, I, I, I will say this. This is one of those seasons where in the moment, it was like that was a pretty terrible season. Ten years from now, we're going to be able to be like, yeah, we watched Max dominate in 2023. Exactly. Like, it was crazy. Um, yeah. So it's going to be one of those, I think, down the road, it's going to stand out a little bit more. We're like, even though 2022 had all these dramas, you might remember 2023 better for how 
like just the greatness that we watched this year. So it is kind of yeah. funny how that works out. Um, but yeah, that that's it, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the pod for the last, you know, uh, episode of the season. Uh, it's always fun handing out these awards. So yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. As always, super fun to have Shaq on the pod. The Breakies is always probably one of the most fun segments that uh, this podcast does the entire year. So that was always a lot of fun. Now we get to uh, maybe a little bit less fun and a little bit more humiliation. Um, Revisiting my predictions from the preseason and of course the second half as well because we did do a little bit of revisiting uh, during the summer break with the King of the Take Boys. So we're going to review the picks that we made as well during the summer break for uh, kind of our rest of season predictions. But of course, we're going to start out with the standings uh, and see just how bad I did. And let me tell you, I did pretty poorly considering I got one of the 20 spots correct. Now, of course, it is a little bit unfair because uh, just because I got things slightly out of order doesn't mean that I was way off with a lot of my picks. Um, but, of course, there were a few surprises, like, of course, Aston Martin having the the start that they did. And uh, McLaren also um, kind of flying up the pack to overtake Alpine. So I had Alpine definitely too high, um, but we'll see. We're going to start off with the driver standing. So 20th, I had Sargent. So this is another one that's a little bit unfair because he finished 21st. So I did have him correctly last. Um, but then again, I had DeVries 19th and DeVries was 22nd. So two drivers that I just didn't, like, you know, I did not expect Liam Lawson and Daniel Ricciardo to be in any seats this year. And they both made it into the top 20. So automatically, you know, four positions are going to be like wrong just off the bat there. So yes, I had Sergeant 20, DeVries 19. However, again, I was wrong, but I picked basically the the correct two that were going to finish last. So yeah, that is unfortunate. And I did say, I believe in a, in a separate episode or maybe in that same episode that every driver would score a point. Now, DeVries didn't, but he also didn't get a full season. If you just take that second AlphaTauri seat, then that 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 uh, seat did score twice in the year, and then Sargent did score once. So I'll take that as a W as well. So, of course, Liam Lawson did actually finish sec- uh, 20th, and DeVries did not finish 19th. It was actually Magnuson. Now, 18th. This is probably the one that I got the most wrong out of any of them, and that is... Albon. I had Albon in 18th. I just didn't think the Williams car would be any good. Um, In fact, at the beginning of the season, I said that they would maybe go backwards just with all the turmoil they had, uh, you know, with uh, with their team principal and no technical director entering the season. I just didn't see them making any substantial progress. But honestly, the Williams was kind of a sick car this year because I, I, I truly believe that when you're kind of a backmarker team and just hoping to score points on those random weekends, it's almost better to have like a really uh, obvious strength in your car that you're able to exploit. Of course, Albon had some great performances, as I mentioned with Shaq, um, but when you're like just all around okay, kind of like the Alfa Romeo, for example, you're more, you're less likely to, you know, stand out on any given weekend and more likely to just kind of pick up 12ths and 13ths very often where the Williams sometimes 
was truly horrendous. But then on some weekends, because of its you know well balanced nature and slippery on the straights strength, um, it was able to have great weekends on on circuits like uh, Montreal, like Shaq mentioned, where there's a lot of straights and just chicanes. Same thing with Monza, very similar tracks. Um, so it, I do think it's a lot better when you're a backmarker to have something that you're just really good at and you're able to exploit. Um, anyway, of course, that was actually Joe who finished 18th and Albon was way further up in 13th. So nowhere close here. And this one was also pretty wrong. Next, I had Sonoda. Um, I was kind of right at the beginning of the season with how poor AlphaTauri would be, but it was actually more so because of their drivers. I thought their drivers would be the ones letting the team down, not the car. In fact, it was the car. Sonoda was brilliant. So 17th actually was Ricardo. Um, so again, these two were kind of the stars of the backmarkers, and I had them 17 and 18, so not a great look. The next two I had were Joe and Bottas, where I, I did have Bottas ahead of Joe, so again, I was correct there. I had Sonoda ahead of DeVries, where I was correct there. I had Albon ahead of Sargent. So you see what I mean? Like, I had the driver head-to-heads correct. Um, it's more so where I had the team's placing that was wrong. Um, of course, Bottas actually finished 16th, where Joe finished. And then Hulkenberg um, was where Bottas finished. So, again, I'm getting the right ones, because I had Hulkenberg ahead of Magnuson coming up here. It's... Uh, I had Magnuson in 14th and Hulkenberg in 13th. So I had Haas um, doing better than Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Alfa Tari. So, of course, when the constructors' predictions come up, you'll see that I was quite wrong there. But again, the head-to-head was correct. Um, so these were kind of the the stars of the uh, backmarkers that I predicted, but that did not happen. So... Um, this was Albon and Sonoda who finished 13th and 14th. Then it was quite a jump up to the Alpine pair, um, except here I thought Stroll would kind of finish at the back of the midfield to the front pack, um, which I don't think was a terrible prediction. Also, it just that the, I didn't expect the Alpine to be so far off from the rest of the pack, so uh, 12th was actually Ocon, I had Stroll, and then in P11 was actually Gasly, and I had Piastri. Um, so Piastri was a few, or just a couple positions off, actually. Yeah, I was at Piastri, so P10, I had Pierre Gasly finishing in the top 10. He was one off, this was actually Lance Stroll. P9, this is the worst one of all, I think. Maybe Albon is? Albon was six positions off, this was... Okay, this was actually only five positions off, but this is where I had Fernando Alonso, just because I thought Alonso would be great in the Aston Martin, and Aston Martin would take a step forward. I, of course, didn't anticipate the step forward that they did take. Um, So, again, I got the head-to-head right. The only head-to-head I got wrong was Alpine, and this is where I had Esteban Ocon finishing P8. So that was... uh, Even though that was only four positions off where he finished, it was probably my worst one considering I had him ahead of Piastri and Alonso. So pretty poor job there. Um, So I guess I didn't say P9 was actually Piastri. P8 was George Russell. Um, So that was actually one of my worst ones as well. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I was way off with George Russell. Then P7... um, 
this one is actually kind of funny because I'm only one position off, but it's kind of a bad prediction. So I had Lando Norris in P7, and I put in P7 because of the amount of P7 finishes he had last year, and I just imagined that he was going to be the best of the rest once again. Um, in fact, where that really wasn't the case at all, he really smashed his teammate and was one of the stars of the season it just ended up being a lot closer between who was fighting for p2 of course with mercedes ferrari aston martin and mclaren all having their moments um so i had norris in the right area just not for the right reason and i had him backwards with signs so signs is who actually finished seventh i had signs in sixth where norris actually finished so I was close there, but really it was never in consideration at the beginning of the year to put Lando Norris ahead of Carlos Sainz. So I would have had a pretty big gap here if I actually kind of predicted the amount of points they would score. Um, so that's where I had Sainz, which I mean, I guess is about right. He was um, behind Leclerc and I did imagine that he would be kind of in that range um, near the bottom of the top teams. Um and then for fifth, I had Sergio Perez. Um, and this is, of course, because I thought it would be a lot closer at the front and Perez would, uh, you know, let Red Bull down. And in a way, he still did. I just didn't anticipate the Red Bull being so dominant. So fifth was actually Charles Leclerc, um, where I had Leclerc in fourth. So again, pretty close. I had him ahead of signs. Um, so. Like I said, I got all the driver head-to-heads correct. Uh, it's really just where the teams were that I got really wrong. Um, and you'll see that in the constructors' picks. So it is still funny, though, that we've gone through all of this. I get the driver head-to-heads pretty much all correct, and I can't get any of them in the right position. Because third, I had George Russell. P2, I had Lewis Hamilton. Of course, Hamilton was actually third. Russell was actually eighth. So I was pretty far off there. Um, but again, I had Hamilton in the right, uh, Hamilton ahead of Russell, which was correct. Of course, Perez was actually P2. And then I did have Max Verstappen as the driver's champion, the only position I got correct. So a uh, pretty shocking effort for me there. But uh, yeah, as I said, I think if you read into it a little bit more, it's not as, uh, as bad as it uh, actually seems on the surface. Um, I think the constructors is actually worse considering... I did only get one right here, and it wasn't even Red Bull. I, I managed to botch the champions as well. So um, P10, I had Williams. It was actually Haas. P9, I had Alpha Tauri. It was actually Alfa Romeo. P8, I had Alfa Romeo, and it was actually Alfa Tauri. So those were just uh, flip-flopped. And then Williams and Haas were also flip-flopped. I had Haas kind of best of the back markers, where it was actually Williams who finished P7. So... It's, it's pretty bad. Like Everyone kind of knew that they would be the bottom four. It would have been a shock to see any team enter that bottom four. And to get all of them wrong is just a pretty poor, poor effort from me there. Um, P6, I was too cowardly to move Aston Martin um, up the order. So I did have them in P6, where that, of course, was actually Alpine in absolute no man's land this season. P5, I could have got this one right, and I still put... McLaren there and Alpine P4 so to pick Alpine ahead of McLaren is also just so so bad I mean Alpine ahead of Aston Martin too Alpine P4 is a shocking prediction as if I had any faith in that team 
so bad. Um, the only team I got right was Ferrari. I had Ferrari in P3, so that was correct. And then I had Red Bull P2 and Mercedes as the constructors champions. I don't know what's worse, McLaren P8 or Mercedes constructors champions. I honestly, I think Mercedes constructors champions is a lot worse. Ah, uh, man, I really thought that they had sorted out. Uh, whatever issues they had with the W13 and that was going to be resolved in the W14 except that was not the case and the W14 was really just more of kind of a an ugly stepsister to the W13 hopefully the W15 is much better but yes the constructors standings was also a shocking effort even though technically on percentage wise 1 out of 10 is better than 1 out of 20 um but yeah not getting the champion right in a season like this is is pretty horrendous as well so laugh at me all you want but it is harder than it looks to make predictions at the beginning of the season in formula one and get them right um so yeah now let's move on to the second half predictions that uh the king of the take boys made with myself it was only five questions so this will be over before you know it um the first question was will there be a new winner in formula one at this point red bull had swept the entire first half of the season we kind of came to an agreement that it was going to be no and Red Bull was going to sweep although I will give Darnell credit he said that he would take the field and there would be some sort of shenanigans not actually really what kind of happened in Singapore he thought that there would be a reliability concern or maybe a crash that uh, gave someone else the win but that really wasn't the case Red Bull really just kind of botched their setup in Singapore and allowed uh some team apart from Red Bull could have been Ferrari could have been McLaren could have been Mercedes to capitalize and of course Carlos Sainz was that man to capitalize so we were wrong there um will Daniel Ricciardo outperform Sonoda this was a a question that kind of was ruined right away considering Ricciardo was injured basically right after the summer break but he did get to come back um and we did all say that he wouldn't outperform Sonoda and even though it was close at times, I would I would say that Ricardo didn't outperform Sonoda. But considering everything that he had to go through, I think Ricardo did have himself a pretty decent campaign for his return. This was probably the worst one that we predicted. Will McLaren catch Aston Martin at the summer break? We said no. We did not think it was possible. But we also did not envision the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs the McLaren had, but Aston Martin's lows in like Mexico and uh, Austin were so low. They were so bad. Um, and plenty other races just fiddling around at the bottom of the points. We expected um, a couple more races like Zandvoort for Aston Martin to kind of keep hold of their uh, position over McLaren. And I don't think we expected races like Japan and Qatar where McLaren would have these massive points hauls. So, Yep, we were pretty wrong there, um, and in fact, it shouldn't even have been as close as it was at the end of the year. So, yep, we were, all three of us, I think, agreed that McLaren was not going to be able to do it. Um, in P7, we did have Williams. All three of us agreed that Williams is going to hold on to that spot. It got pretty close in the end with AlphaTauri kind of surging at the end of the year, but we were all correct, and this is a full credit to the King of the Tape uh, guys because they're the ones that actually made this prediction, and I kind of just said, okay, 
I don't think I actually made my own prediction here. Um, they said silly season was going to be boring. They did not say it was going to be 20 out of 20 returning. Um, that would have been a pretty special thing to predict considering it's never happened before. Um, but they did say it was going to be a boring, silly season, and it definitely was. So credit to the King of the Take Boys for that one. Well, guys, that's going to do it for the last Break Bias episode of 2023. Next year, the podcast could be looking a little different. I have some thinking to do over the winter break, so stay tuned for updates on that. But for now, enjoy the holidays. Have a great new year. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will catch you all in 2024. Goodbye.